0: Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. In this episode, I spoke with Andy Wind, Director of the Career Services Office in the College of Business Administration at Kent State University about virtual career fairs. Meeting with recruiters and potential future employers can be a nerve-wracking process, and the virtual aspect of the career fair can come with its own unique set of challenges. But by doing the proper work ahead of time, you can make a virtual career fair just as worthwhile as an in-person event. Andy and I discussed how to prepare for the virtual aspect, mistakes to avoid, the key to following up afterward, and much more. Here's what he had to say.
1: Yeah, I think for anybody that's, that's about to attend a career fair, especially with, um, you know whether it's whether it's virtual or whether it's face to face. I think first and foremost is just making sure that the little things are taken care of, um, you know, before the day of, and so that that would include uh, registering for the event. You know, and sometimes uh, we know the event is is taking place, but you know can forget to actually complete the registration uh, for the event, especially if they're virtual. Um, that way that you're you're in the queue for getting all of the information and updates, you know, should there be any last minute changes and things like that. And so uh, you can avoid any kind of surprises with technology or, uh, like I said, with event details changing. So first and foremost, I think, is just making sure that you actually get registered for the event. Um, And then after that, I think it's just doing your homework, Um, really uh, getting a true sense of what recruiters will be attending the event and what opportunities those recruiters uh, will be presenting at the event and and what of those opportunities, um, which of those are gonna be a good match uh, for you as a candidate. Um, So I'd say it's really the the preparation comes down to make sure you're registered, make sure you have a good sense of what the the logistics of the event will involve. Um, And a lot of that is accomplished through the actual registration process. and then from there, it's, it's researching the employers and researching the opportunities and just getting a good sense of, of which of those opportunities are gonna be a best fit for you and then how you can begin to kind of budget your time and prepare for those individual, individual conversations.
0: And you mentioned it a little bit just now, but when you talk about you know, register before the event so you can avoid maybe any tech technical issues, um, miscommunications ahead of time, what other things would you say that people should maybe avoid when they're preparing and, and attending the career fair?
1: As folks prepare to, to go to a career fair, um, the things to avoid would be um, anything that's going to give the impression that you're not you know, taking the interaction uh, seriously or that you're not fully invested you know, in the conversation. Um, so, things to avoid uh, would be, you know, it, Showing up on time, so certainly avoid, you know, being late to the meeting, um, especially if the, the event is virtual and you're only budgeted a certain amount of time for the interaction. Um, some of the career fairs, you know, your interaction with uh, the recruiter can be as short as 10 minutes. Um, so certainly that's um, a, a lot of pressure on those 10 minutes. And so being prepared to to take full advantage of that time. So, so showing up on time, avoiding being late um, and avoiding... Um, you know, not testing your technology, I think, making sure that you're fully confident and that your camera is set up properly, um, your microphone is working well, um, so you can be seen and be heard uh, properly. Um, so you, you certainly want to avoid any kind of background distraction. You know, again, assuming the event is virtual uh, for the foreseeable future, that's, that's most of the events are, are going to be virtual. So make sure that your your background is, is not distracting. Um, making sure that you're dressing, uh, you know, in a professional attire um, again because you want to avoid anything to where it's not going to be uh, perceived that you're taking that interaction with a recruiter uh, seriously. The major thing to avoid is, is the lack of follow-up after after the event and so certainly you know recruiters um, I've, I've talked with recruiters who have said they'll have a great conversation with a candidate um, but then they never hear from that that candidate again so if, if you are truly interested in an opportunity um, or even if you have a conversation and at the time that you learn that that opportunity is not a good fit, I think something that's to be avoided is ghosting the recruiter and, and, and certainly not letting them know what your intentions are. Even if your intentions are that the opportunity is not a great fit, I, I would communicate that you know, after the event to say you appreciate their time, you appreciate the conversation, and, and just give them an update as to what you're thinking. Um, so I think a big thing to avoid is just a lack of follow up um, after the event, because um, certainly you you're um, you've you've done all this work to establish that connection to open up that line of communication with the recruiter, and the last thing you want to do is is have that time be wasted and just sever off the connection um, as soon as the relationship has has gotten started.
0: That makes sense, especially with the follow up part. Whether um, you know whether it does pan out into an Opportunity for you, or it it doesn't at least in the near future. I imagine it's great at least to, like you said, establish that line of communication because maybe something didn't work out now, but that recruiter could keep you in mind in the future. And it was because at least you reached out, you did that initial step.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the um, the follow up and just keeping those lines of communication open certainly. Um, Helps keep you uh, on the mind of those recruiters, especially if you know opportunities um, perhaps surface in a time when there's not a, a career fair happening. So if you know career fairs certainly aren't going to align perfectly with every job posting that's that's going to um, you know come to be. And so if 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 a recruiter has a specific position in mind. Um, and you've you've made the effort to stay in contact with that recruiter after the event or maybe between events you know sending them a message on LinkedIn uh, out of the blue just saying that you know you have continued interest in the company or in the opportunity um, and you were just kind of checking in and to just kind of keep the conversation going um, that that works and that that can keep you you know on the mind of the recruiter and so when your application does cross their desk um, that that's great because they're already well familiar with who you are and what you can bring to the table because you've, you've worked hard to kind of keep that relationship ongoing.
0: And Andy, earlier you mentioned a lot, if not most of the events for the foreseeable future are going to be virtual. So when someone's thinking, okay, I'm attending this virtual career fair, how can they make the most of it, whether that's, um, there's big differences uh, between virtual or not. How can someone make the most of their just general showing up for that career fair?
1: Yeah, I think it does. There, there's not, um, aside from the technology, there's not a a large amount of difference between how you prepare for a virtual event and how you prepare for a traditional, you know, face-to-face networking event or career fair. Um, I do think a lot of it continues to be the research component, um, finding out, you know, who will be in the room that day, um, whether it's a virtual room or a face-to-face, um, who are those folks and what opportunities um, are, they, are they going to be presenting? Um, and, and will that be a good fit for you? And if so, be prepared to talk about why. Why are you a good fit for that opportunity? Um, and, and part of that preparation is begin to, uh, you know, be specific as to that why, why are you a good fit? Um, so have some, have some questions that you can ask about the opportunity um, prepare your pitch and be prepared to tell your story as to why you would be a good connection for the company or that specific internship or entry-level job. Um, so I think that that preparation uh, remains to be part of the, of the preparation for a virtual just as it was when these events were taking place uh, and when we will return to, for these events uh, being face-to-face. Um, specific to the virtual sessions, I do think arriving on time, signing in on time, being comfortable in your technology is a big part of, of how these can connection, how these connections can maybe be derailed um, quickly, as if um, if you haven't tested your your technology and you have got a stable internet connection or a quiet space just distraction free for which you can have these conversations. Um, again, like I said, with with some of these systems and the interactions with the recruiters being Defined as only maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever the the you know the virtual meeting will be, you got to be prepared to take advantage of every of every minute. Um, so just kind of plan out, uh, have an idea of what you're going to say, when you're going to say questions you're going to ask, um, and and um, and that that will that will benefit you in in those virtual settings. Um, other things for the virtual. Um, Component. I do think it, it continues to be. We we will get questions about what do I wear to a virtual event. Um, you know, I think we've all kind of gotten a little bit more casual in our, our day-to-day attire. For, you know, in working remotely, but I, uh, it continues to be the case that you want to dress professionally, even if it is a virtual event. Um, you know, your camera is going to be on, so they want to be able to see that you know you're, you've dressed professionally. You've shown up ready to go uh, for this for this meeting that you want to uh, again that show that you're taking the meeting seriously. So continue to to dress professionally. Um, you know, even, even in the uh, virtual uh, interactions. And this is, there's a little bit more weight that carries with your online brand prior to an event and even uh, during and after an event. So making sure that your online brand is polished and ready to go. In many cases, in a traditional career fair, there was the handing off of the resume. So you walk up, you shake a hand, you hand that individual your resume and now they've got a a sense of your story and your contact information for for continued conversation. That may not be part of the system through which you're meeting. It may not be available um, in the virtual career fair platform that you're using during that event. So you wanna make sure that places like LinkedIn um, or Handshake or any of the other uh, career management tools that uh, that you may be using at, at your college or university making sure that any of those profiles that you have online that are gonna tell your professional story, make sure those are up to date um, because that uh, will allow the recruiter to continue to learn about you. um, And it may have to temporarily replace the resume uh, for you because you're not in a physical space to where you can hand off that resume. Um, Certainly you can email a copy of your resume afterwards or during the meeting, um, but if you don't get the opportunity to make that, resume exchange, you want to have that information available in places like LinkedIn, Handshake, etc.
0: And that's such a good point that you brought up, Andy, because I think for so long, a lot of the advice or um, what I've heard from offered to people who are looking for new opportunities is to, you know, make sure that your online presence um, is presentable, is professional, is professional, people are used to hearing that. But I think in this context of everything virtual, it's like, if that's what someone's going to go to, you know, maybe even while they're talking to you on the video, they have like your LinkedIn pulled up. And so instead of you giving maybe that like 10, 15 minute impression where they feel like they really got a strong, interaction with you now it's like they can instantly look to that like online portfolio which i'm sure like you said can hold more weight now
1: yeah yeah absolutely um because it is and you want to be ready for that moment and Mm so you know as you begin to send out applications and begin to network and get your name out there um you know i think it's it's (laughs) it's human nature that we, we go to Google for a lot of things or we go to a search engine for a lot of things. And so if your name gets thrown into a search engine, um, you, you want those results. You want to be intentional about what those results are going to be. And so, you know, sites like LinkedIn certainly are available and help you do that. Um, and I think it's, it's just sort of the expectation that you will be able uh, to learn about someone, you know, via, uh, via LinkedIn. Um, and so it may, because information is so readily available online, it may raise an eyebrow when they can't find out information about you in sites like LinkedIn. Um, so um, the site's there, so why not you know, take full advantage of it? Um, if you're if you're not already a user of, of LinkedIn or Handshake or things like that, um, it, um, it certainly provides a lot of benefit in not only telling your story, but sustaining those connections that you make through these events. Um, so, and it's, it's the work that you put into one can easily be recycled into the other systems. And so if you've built out a great profile on LinkedIn, um, but and the event is gonna be hosted in a site like Handshake, then you know the two systems are very similar. Um, and so the work that you've put into one, you can simply almost literally cut and paste into the other one um, so that they tell a consistent story with your resume as well. So make sure that all the documents um, that you have created about your professional story and how you would be, um, your your kind of trajectory, your coursework, your experience, your extracurriculars, um, your graduation date, all of those details uh, are consistent across all of those um, platforms and documents so that there's no question about which one is the most accurate, which one is um, the most up-to-date. If they're all the same, then there's no question that, that, that this is accurate information about this candidate.
0: And something you've also mentioned uh, a few times is the importance and the value in being prepared, you know, doing your research ahead of time, um, you know, knowing what uh, recruiters are going to be there, you know, finding out as much as you can, which is great, but I think for a lot of people, they still get those nerves. They feel really nervous um, presenting themselves, especially if it is uh, for college students, it might be their first time this um, they've ever done something like this. What advice would you have to offer um, individuals who still really feel those nerves and battle that when they when they know they're going to go attend a career fair?
1: Right. Yeah, I, I I'd be lying if I said that it it, it for some you know it's never going to not be awkward. Um, you know, interviews may not you know be kind of the the top five things that you want to spend your free time doing. But if if you can get comfortable with the awkwardness, and uh, then it, it no longer becomes what's on your mind and you can truly focus on telling your story and connecting with that recruiter and, and focusing on why you would be a good fit. Um, and, and also uh, you know, asking the right questions to the recruiter so that you can begin to learn because it's certainly a two-way conversation that you wanna have. Um, but how do you do that? How do you get more comfortable when you know, this, is, um, this can be a source of anxiety and you're, you're, you're nervous about presenting? I think it just boils down to practice, um, you know, practicing with folks that you are comfortable with to get started. So um, even if it's just using your, your phone, your tablet, your laptop just to record yourself, um, I think there's a lot of self-correction that can happen just by recording uh, your voice or your uh, video of yourself presenting. Um, you're going to pick up on all the little uh, nervous habits that we all have uh, as we present and you can you can begin to kind of self-correct. So if you can watch yourself to get started. If if even presenting to a good friend or family member um, seems like too high of a hurdle, then just start by presenting to yourself. Just record yourself as you you know you you give your elevator pitch or you answer a question that you know is going to be a part of the interview. Um, there are some systems that we have um, through Kent State University um, that will um, that will mimic a. Uh, mock interview. And so the, the system will ask you a question, and then you'll get a 3 two, one on your computer screen, and then you, you record yourself uh, responding to that question. And so um, so a mock interview uh, doesn't have to be live. You know, a mock interview can be a, re- a recording um, that you can then review. And then again, it's, I think there's a lot of power in just seeing and hearing uh, your performance and self-correcting then moving on to you know, doing a live recording with somebody they're comfortable with. So you know, a roommate, a friend, a family member, um, having them listen to you give your pitch and then listen to their feedback and what they have to say about it. Um, and then do it again, do it again, do it again. And, and through that repetition, I feel like the, that awkwardness that never really goes away, um, but that, that can be good, that anxiety can be good. It can keep you on your toes. Um, but just getting more comfortable with that space uh, certainly just takes, just takes
0: practice. And I love that you know perspective that there, there might be some awkwardness, but there's things that you can overcome. Um, you just have to practice. Right, right.
1: And um, and I think too focusing on um, and there are some some nonverbals even in the sense or even in the context of of virtual. Um, we always talk about you know posture and. Um, eye contact and things like that. And I think that, that that still remains to be true, even in the virtual sense. Um, it's, while it is kind of difficult to make eye contact with a webcam, you know, if, if you, you know, positioning your device in such a way that, that the eye contact is, is still um, there. So it's, you know, just putting your camera in a place to where your eyes are naturally gonna be, um, so that there's this sense of eye contact and connection. Um, I feel like you 've ever watched a recording of an interview and it 's obvious that the person is 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 looking off to the left or to or below the camera above the camera um, it just the, the the connection's not there in the same way as if you know you're watching somebody who is clearly aware of where the camera is and they're presenting to the camera um, so so there are some nonverbal um, components to to presenting in a virtual sense that 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 aren't that aren't new. Uh, they've always kind of been there, but you do kind of have to transpose those into virtual, um, the same way you would as if you were sitting across the table from someone face to face. So posture, eye contact, um, you know, nervous habits that you may have. Um, you know, you certainly wouldn't want to, you know, be twiddling your pen between your fingers or any kind of nervous habits like that because that can be distracting uh, for somebody who's trying to focus on the story that you're telling. So. Um, Again, it just comes down. It, it comes down to practice and, and getting some feedback from those that you trust. Um, so, friends, family, um, mentors. Uh, certainly, um, you know, college, and university. We've got faculty members, career services professionals. We're here to support you know students through that. Um, but we understand that that it may be a big ask if you've never interviewed before to start with someone like that. Um, but you can certainly work up to. Uh, starting out with somebody that you're, you are you can be completely vulnerable with and get feedback, and then move up, um, move up to a faculty member, um, move up to a career services member, uh, and then maybe then move up to somebody who is a professional recruiter that you're just doing this through a mock interview, through a practice. So there's no strings attached. There's no actual job that you're applying to. You're purely just getting the feedback from a recruiting professional um, about you know, your, your interview performance and how you, you tell your story. Um, so I do think that there's, there are ways, no matter where you are on the spectrum of interview experience, there are next steps that you can take to get better.
0: And when you mention next steps, Andy, we talked about this um, a few minutes ago, the value of following up and how important that is, you know, kind of regardless of the outcome is there anything else that you would say to people um, after the career fair is over, be sure to do this because this is really important. It really um, gets your time, your energy, um, you even farther in the long run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The follow-up is so critical. Um, you've, You've really put in a lot of effort, a lot of time. To to knock it out of the park during the conversation during the event. So the last thing you want to do is have all that momentum just come crashing down. Um, so keep keep the connection going by sending you know an, an email. If you you know if you have be sure one be sure to collect that contact information during your your conversation if it's not you know published and readily available. Um, but sending that email follow up is typically the most direct and most uh, effective way to send this and the way to keep it going is frame it as a thank you. Um, it's it's just common courtesy. It's a polite thing to do to thank the individual for their time, first and foremost. But two, it does kind of give you a channel through which to keep the conversation going. So I always strongly recommend that after uh, you've, you've met with a recruiter, you've met with a mentor or anyone that you're kind of building your network with, be sure to follow up with a thank you message and you know thank them for their time, but also give a quick recap of, know what about that conversation was so valuable to you and also that might be a good opportunity to ask about you know next steps in the process or or action items that that can go forward because that again can kind of keep the two of you focused on how the future um, you know what future steps are you going to continue to work together on Um, so I think framing it with a thank-you email um, is is a simple and effective tool that's going to um, Keep the momentum going after you've met somebody at a at a virtual career fair. Like whether you're whether you would consider yourself an active candidate, you know, on the market for an internship or a full time job, um, or not. If you're if you're prior to one of those one of those points and you're just kind of uh, kind of fact finding about the process, you you learn so much by participating in events like these. Um, so if it's if you would consider yourself um, you're not quite ready to attend a virtual career fair I would strongly encourage you to, to re reconsider that and and participate uh, in the virtual career fair because you will learn about the process you will learn um, about yourself and what how you could present possibly better or how you could connect an opportunity and your experience better the next time um, so if you're participating, you will become more comfortable. And so especially if you, if you would consider yourself someone who gets anxious in, in these kinds of environments, you know, interviews make you nervous, uh, presenting makes you nervous, all the more reasons to go and check it out and maybe do, you know, some passive observation the first time through um, so that you're just, you're comfortable with the landscape, you, you're, you're familiar with how this process works so that when you go, f- um, so whether when you are actively seeking an internship or a full-time position, you're, you're fully aware of what to expect. Um, the other thing The other benefit of this is that you you're you're growing your network, and so again, you may not be actively seeking an opportunity uh, and that's okay, but you're still going to meet folks who are in the in the recruitment space and they can begin to connect who you are to possible uh, opportunities in the future and so there's no better feeling than walking into a room um, you know a physical space or a virtual networking event, you know showing up to an event and already knowing you know a person or two, or maybe it's four or five people that you already have a connection with. So that can make you very comfortable um, and, and allow you to you know, use the event even more effectively. So, um, so these events can make you just better at the process, but they can also uh, grow your network and just kind of expand your circle of you know, friends in the, in the um, recruitment space so that there's already that connection there and you're not truly starting from scratch um, when you would consider yourself to be you know, on the market for an internship or full-time job. So, strongly encourage you, even if you feel like you're not 100% ready to go to a virtual fair or a career fair, um, do it. Um, you're, it's never too early to get started uh, on these types of events.
0: Thank you to Andy for taking the time to speak with us more about how to prepare for a virtual career fair. And on February 18th, Kent State will hold its own virtual career fair titled Accounting Meet and Greet Summer Leadership Development Programs for students looking for summer opportunities as well as current openings for internships and full-time positions. So what do you think of the episode? You can always let me know at jsalerno at ohiocpa.com and please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.